You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. There are parts of the world known for their cuisine. Travel to Austria and enjoy a savory Schnitzel, Or take a trip to Canada for some delicious poutine. On a more local level, Philly is where to go for cheesesteaks. And you can't beat Chicago for deep dish pizza. Then there's Denby Dale in West Yorkshire, England. Since the early 19th century, Denby Dale has been known for its meat pies. There are three things one must know about the pies, though. First is that they are only ever baked for special occasions. The first celebratory pie was made in 1788, after King George III had recovered from a bout with mental illness. Another was made in 1846, after a set of tariffs known as the Corn Laws were lifted, allowing imported corn and other grain to enter the country without heavy taxes placed on the buyers. In 1877, two pies were baked roughly a week apart. The first had been made as part of Queen Victoria's Golden Jubilee, a grand banquet celebrating the 50th anniversary of her assuming the throne. It was cooked with all kinds of meat inside, including chicken, rabbit, veal, and pork. It was also disgusting. Due to errors in timing, the pie had sat in the sun for too long and stunk to high heaven. No one could stomach more than a whiff of it, which was why it was quickly taken out in the middle of a field and buried in quicklime. One week later, they attempted the pie again, this one called the Resurrection Pie. And it was good. Denby Dale also baked a pie for the turn of the new millennium in 2000, as well as one to celebrate the Queen Mother's 100th birthday that same year. Which brings us to the second important fact about the pies. Only 10 have been made over the past 200 years. The village of Denby Dale, population 16,365 at the time I'm recording this, feasts on a single pie roughly once per generation. They don't cut it into paper-thin slices, though. Their process is the third reason why Denby Dale pies are so coveted. They're enormous. For example, the Millennium Pie required two and a half tons of beef and potatoes, three and a half tons of pastry for the crust, and roughly eight to ten hours to cook on a 40-foot-wide metal pie dish. And sometimes the pies would serve double duty. During World War II, when scrap metal was in high demand to make things like tanks and airplanes, Denby Dale's pie dish was donated to the war effort and melted down. The villagers held a goodbye party for it as well, marching it down the street for all to see before holding a cricket match in its honor. In 1964, a pie was baked to honor four royal births that had occurred that year, and the dish that was used was launched down a canal as a publicity stunt. And it worked. The event was written up in one major newspaper. However, not every pie went smoothly. Aside from the inedible pie of 1887, 
The one that was baked after the repeal of the Corn Laws claimed the life of one baker who had gotten trapped inside the crust after cutting into it. It also crushed the stage on which it was displayed, and the 15,000 villagers in attendance ended up eating pieces of it right off the ground. And in 1928, a pie baked for a fundraiser on behalf of the Huddersfield Royal Infirmary got stuck in the oven. At least 20 men armed with crowbars worked at it for two hours to jimmy it loose. The next pie hasn't been announced yet, but if you'd like to taste one for yourself, individual Denby Dale pies are sold in grocery stores all over England. Don't worry, though. The only qualities these pies share with their giant predecessors is their name. They should fit just fine inside your car. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. In the city of Naples is a palace. Known as the Palazzo di Sangro, the brick building is surrounded by homes and shops. It faces the church of San Domingo Maggiore, and in a way, it looks out of place. But this enormous mansion has been part of the city since the 16th century, and is home to some of the most beautiful and bizarre works of art. The palace was commissioned by the Duke of Torre Maggiore, 
During construction, it became home to the Duke's family, as well as the composer Carlo Gesualde, who ended up murdering his wife there. One of the Duke's relatives, the first prince of San Severo, felt the palace and its inhabitants needed a private place to pray. In 1590, he had a family chapel built in the gardens on the property. The structure changed hands and forms over the years. It was converted from a regular chapel into a family burial chapel in 1613. There was also a tunnel between the main house and the chapel until the late 19th century. However, in the mid-1700s, this palace of death gained new life as a kind of museum. Sculptures by Antonio Corradini and Giuseppe San Martino were dedicated to the deceased family members interred in the tombs. They depicted life-size women, draped in translucent cloth with soft, lifelike features, but were carved from solid stone. But it was the seventh prince of San Severo, Raimondo de Sangro, who helped guide the chapel's art collection. Raimondo was a man of many disciplines, including science, spiritualism, and, of course, the fine arts. But he was also an inventor. During his life, he mixed chemicals together to concoct his own version of an eternal flame, and allegedly created a horse-drawn carriage that used wooden horses instead of live ones. Oh, and it could ride on water, as well as on land. The prince's proclivities didn't exactly endear him to the townspeople, though. He became quite the topic of conversation. In fact, there developed a kind of dark lore about him. The locals believed he killed people for his experiments, and could conjure blood from nothing. Of course, two of his most famous creations didn't help matters for him, They're known as the anatomical machines, and they are comprised of the skeletons of a man and a pregnant woman pinned against the wall. Over their bones are red and blue vessels, intricately weaved into complex formations, just as they would have been when the subjects were alive. Rumor had it that the prince killed two of his servants in order to create them. Not only that, but there had also been a third machine, a child, complete with its preserved placenta. Unfortunately, it was stolen from the museum in the 1990s, and it was never recovered. Over the years, stories circulated about their creation. That the prince had been experimenting with alchemy and had turned the servants' blood into metal by injecting them with a special chemical. The good news is that the prince had almost nothing to do with the bodies. He didn't kill anyone himself, nor did he have anyone killed. He purchased the skeletons, presumably from a funeral home or a medical university, and then had anatomist Giuseppe Salerno turn them into works of art in 1763. Using the two human forms supplied by the prince, Salerno went about reconstructing their circulatory systems for display in the chapel museum. But the vessels were not original to the body. They were made of wire and beeswax. The only organic part of the anatomical machines were the bones themselves. Today, the skeletons are on display behind glass. Visitors can see how the skulls were cut apart and reassembled using metal hinges, conveying their purpose as either objects of medical study or, more likely, sideshow curiosities. Prince de Sangro helped build his family's legacy by filling his home with unique sculptures, some of them beautiful and some of them strange beyond words. One thing for sure, though, he certainly had an eye for art, No bones about it. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, 
in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.